to show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mats Podcast. This week's guest is going to be a good friend of mine. We've been trying to do this for a while. <laughs> finally, finally get finally get our our schedule synced up and it's about time we sat down my guest here today is going to be mr seth rice um seth actually helped me out with another podcast i worked on before he made the logo for a why so nerdy podcast and like i'm still blown away by it the guys loved it i love it and they've since kind of disbanded which is heartbreaking but it's like when i saw your work i was like okay like you like you you got the feel of what they're going for so thank you for that and not only is seth a, a great graphic designer he also does brazilian jiu-jitsu oh snap like who would have thought i would have a jiu-jitsu guest on um who would have thought <laughs> so how you been man thanks for doing this with me man i've been doing good like like I was saying a, a minute ago, like when I first saw you, like December, where did it go? Um, it just kind of flew by. I mean, it's it's just that time of year where it just happens that way. We think, all right, cool, Thanksgiving's here. I got you know five weeks, four weeks, whatever for Christmas, and that turns into two weeks. And it's here we just, are. Yeah, pretty much um, this whole year drug by and then uh, just November and December, it was like, oh, surprise, bitch. It's 2022. <laughs> yeah, that's it's crazy to even think 2022 is coming up. Uh, that's fucking bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But then again, I, I never thought fucking I was like, oh, my God, 2020 is coming. And now we're about to enter 2022 and i'm just like what what the fuck happened yeah it's like we hit 2020 and then just kind of played leapfrog straight to 2022 and it that shit doesn't feel right to me mm -mm. i think it's <laughs> i still think it's 2019 so it still feels like it in certain regards um with jujitsu how long you been training um i've been training full-time since 2011 and then 2009 i want to say i was really introduced to it like properly and then caught you know i guess lessons on and off but um 2011 is when i started doing it full time so a uh, decade it's been uh, my main pursuit pretty much cool um what got you into it um well, I grew up doing martial arts and uh, like different, you know, like uh, I guess just whatever was available. I'm from like northern Nevada and uh, so like um, southern Nevada, um, western Nevada, you know, like there's there's Reno, there's um, Las Vegas and, you know, those areas are, you know, like much, much bigger. But the northern Nevada area it's a lot of mining towns and so it's um you know pretty decent population but it's just spread out um all along the the road between um 
because you have about like where I'm at Elko. I'm about four hours in between um, Reno and then three and a half more hours to Salt Lake. And so I'm like right in between them. And so on that stretch of road, um, that's uh, yeah, I like I kind of just grew up in that area. Like I own gyms here now, but um, like I grew up just along this strip, you know, I guess moving um, for, you know, like my dad and stuff like that. And whatever kind of martial arts programs um, would be available sometimes, you know, like uh, I'd get thrown in like a goofy program or something like that. And you pick <laughs> pick some weird stuff up that you never, ever forget, um, you know, like some corny sensei tricks that I, I was like, man, I never want to be like that guy when I grow up. Just, uh, you know, people move in this small town for a year and then skip out on everybody's last payment when their contract up was up with the railroad and then just skip town, things like that. But then, um, like, when I tried wrestling when I was little, uh, my dad won't buy me wrestling shoes, man. And so I had to wrestle without shoes. My nails kept on getting bent backwards. So, like, I didn't care for wrestling so much when I was younger. Um but like I like I did it from time to time and then like uh, up to high school and stuff like that. And um, uh, it was just kind of like a, a secondary thing. Martial arts was just something like um, I grew up with. My dad was a really militaristic guy. And so uh, we we basically age seven. It was like Sparta in our household. My dad like gave us our first sparring match. Um, Realistically, I don't know. I look back, he just kind of beat the crap out of us. But um, man, it made you feel like you had your first sparring match. And then after that, you know, like we we learned to spar and stuff like that. And like um, we had a rule in the household, like if it didn't bleed, it didn't count. And so um, I had an older brother. And then after my parents divorced, an older cousin, um, that was my older brother's best friend. And man, I just, I just had to start getting tough. So I started taking the weights more serious um, and martial arts, I guess, um, a little more serious. And Like wrestling my 10th grade year, I got jumped and uh, and wrestled down to the ground uh, and somebody beat my face in through better grappling and I was like, never again. And so I had to, had to get back into to wrestling and um, I don't know, there was just... Um, you know, like different things in and out, but basically what got me into martial arts, you know, like I guess full time was uh, I kind of got pulled into it in college. I started to hear about um, jujitsu a lot better. And, you know, like this, you know, back in the pre, you know, like everything on the Internet days. There was still, you know, you know how things would circulate and you'd hear, you know, what your dad said. And you'd be like, what the so um like basically a fight i got into high school like my dad was telling me about this this strategy of gonna fight an older kid um about these jungle boys um down from south america um wrapping up around people and then like hitting them and like i mean he got, he had it wrong but at the same time yeah you know like there was so much mystique behind it i was just like okay so basically he taught me how to pull guard and then just to like plan on, you know, like just get a, a hook around the neck and, you know, like pummel the face. And, uh, oh my gosh, 
that was the stupidest thing I could have ever done because I had to go fight this kid near the end of the uh, the school year and uh, fought him in a graveyard. And, um, man, I, I thought I was dead. And uh, basically what happened was I pulled guard. But when I pulled guard, he I had my fist cocked and uh, my elbow slammed into the concrete. But then his face slammed into my fist. And, you know, just like through the frame, I guess, he just went face first right into my frame. So I didn't even really throw a punch. He just wasn't expecting me to pull him back. And he fell right on my fist. Now, I mean, oh, man, that like really messed up my elbow. But I wasn't, you know, telling anybody. Everybody was like, what happened? I pushed him off me. And then he's just out. And I was like, in my head, I didn't even know what was happening. So I just kind of walked off, tried to do the mysterious badass thing this was ninth grade and uh after that you know like um it was years later years later i'm you know like re getting back into martial arts and uh, uh with some buddies at college and everybody's talking about you know like um this was right around when brock lesnar was getting ready to fight for the title so leading up to that everybody you know like everybody seemed to know about it all of a sudden so everybody was talking about it. And I remember in high school, everybody wanted to like wrestle until tapping out. And I wasn't still familiar with it, but I was like, okay, tell submission. Sure. I watched WWE and like I was bigger and stronger than most kids. So like they'd be trying to hit me with like some technical stuff they see saw off the TV. And I like I'd sub them out with like the walls of Jericho or something like that. And uh <laughs> well see that was the thing is like i took that attitude into you know like the serious training so everybody was like really really getting into it and uh then all of a sudden the gladiator challenge uh no 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 it wasn't the gladiator challenge at first it was like mike sidham's ultimate fighting uh like ultimate combat challenge out of salt lake way back in the day um he uh he started coming to elko a few times and when they came to elko um, you know, it, it kind of caught my interest, uh, caught, you know, everybody's interest really big because the fights on the Indian colony, um, man, they could get away with some wild stuff. And, uh, it was, you know, still kind of the, you know, wild, wild West days of MMA. Um, those, you know, those days were, you know, starting to clear up, but really leaking into the, you know, like the small towns where we were, you know, at. It was it was crazy. And so like uh, the gladiator, I think like two big things happened, like the gladiator challenge eventually came along and uh, they brought in Dan Severn. And when Dan Severn came in, um, actually, like my 10th uh, Planet coach, uh, Stephen Aiken, um, he came and fought Dan Severn here in little Elko, Nevada. And uh when that happened, you know, I was just like 18, 19 at the, yeah, I was like 19 at the time, 1920 at the most. And I was like, man, it's starting to get pretty serious now, go if, you know, like they're starting to bring in, you know, like bigger names now versus it just being the local, local fights. Um, you know, maybe this is something to look into. And so, uh, I didn't, I didn't really, um, you know, like get to know Steven back then. Um, that come into play years later, but, uh, so like, that was, you know, like the really big thing. And then, um, like I said, everybody was talking about it and finally, you know, like your friends, cause I wrestled and other things and like, 
Um, so people from high school knew that, you know, like I, I knew how to handle myself. So they invited me to some backyard brawling. And, um, but the thing was, is like, it was just kind of like, everybody was just kind of like doing a backyard open mat at the college, um, apartments. And, um, everybody was just kind of showing each other things and then just kind of, you know, like wrestling around. And so like, there was, um, uh, one native kid there that was just bigger than a son of a bitch and fucking, he was just tearing everybody up and, um, my buddy pretty much volunteered me to, you know, like wrestle him. And, uh, he apparently had experience. Um, and I don't know, he was, he was trying some things on me that I had never seen, but I kind of handled it. And, um, then when I started to get the, the better of it, then, um, you know, like, then he was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta shit myself. Uh, you know, like, Oh, you gotta get up. And I was, you know, I was mid, you know, mid in the middle of it. So I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, what's up? Okay. Um, but then afterwards, everybody was like, okay, hey, you know, you want to train with us? And then uh, next thing you know, you know, like more open mat settings at different, you know, gyms around town and things like that. Um, like within a few weeks, like my friends started calling me coach. And I was just like, yo, no, I didn't ask for this. No, I'm like, I'm not the coach. Like, uh-uh, mm-mm. And uh, pretty much from there, it just kept happening. And um, next thing you know, like we have a team on the coach and uh, like we're doing pretty good. And um, that's like any time that I'm not at work, that's what I'm thinking about. Like and so uh, 2011, like I quit my job and uh, left to do jujitsu full time. And, um, but then my best friend died and I kind of sidewinded the full time, like the truly, truly, I guess, full time. I worked two full time jobs, jujitsu and, um, you know, like working during that time and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, since 2011, I just, I've been obsessed. Um, man, that's <laughs> like, I, like I told you, brother, I, I can go on these tangents. Like, you know, like I travel a lot. And so people always yeah. ask you know, like, uh, the, the story, but I don't really, you know, like, I don't know, I guess I don't normally tear into it so much, but, um, I guess when in Rome, when in a podcast, <laughs> well, this is the perfect place to do it though. You know, you know, if, if I say, Hey, what got you into jujitsu? And you're like, eh, fighting. It just left it. There's like, okay. Probably not having him back as a guest. <laughs> like, if all your answers are like one-word answers, it's like, okay, this, this, this is, this, this, no, we can't do this. But no, dude, you know, you got, you got the story. I'm here to listen, and so are the listeners. Um, so basically, yeah, back 2011, kind of kicked it all off for you, like full time into it. I guess becoming a coach, you know. Like like a full on coach and running a gym. Uh, how'd you get to that point? Um, so so basically between two thousand nine and two thousand eleven, my focus was mixed martial arts because I grew up doing, uh, man, you name it, just whatever Northern Nevada offered. Like there, I had at least one year and so many things, and then um, 
then just like my dad um he, you know like uh i don't know i don't have the best relationship with my dad so i don't i don't throw him under the bus too much but uh like he, he my dad was a tough son of a bitch outside of uh you know like outside of things and uh sometimes you know like i guess now that i'm older and i'm a professional not all the you know like not everything definitely helped too but at, at the same time I still got to give my dad like, um, you know, like a, a lot of credit for the basics that he taught me with stand up. Like there's still things to this day when, you know, like, uh, I don't know, everybody's got the newest, you know, like uh, DVD uh, from, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, uh, yeah, basically I can't remember his website name right now. But um, anyway, there's the striking equivalent. <laughs> and uh, so anybody, you know, everybody gets that stuff off there. And, um, you know, things that I learned when I was a kid from my dad have, you know, like really held up to a lot of the highest level things. And um, my, you know, like my love of basics kind of came from that because when I jumped into everything else, like my dad kind of taught me enough basics, mixed basics from other things that I never felt like a fish, like out of water, like I could jump into taekwondo and then you know like fling my legs around um <laughs> back in the day before i lost all my ligaments in my knees but i used to be able to flip my legs around really good i could do uh karate i could box i could um like you know like a lot of the you know like smaller town things that would come you know more often you know like more available more often but you know like muay thai uh i think you know, like was one that, you know, like caught my interest, but just wasn't always around as much as I wanted it to be when I was younger. Um, like jujitsu was, of course, like hell, even, you know, like really undiscovered, you know. Yeah. Um, so growing up, it was it was just so many different influences, but he gave me a lot of good like basics. And so um, being able to wrestle and having like good stand up basics and um not knowing that I'm a good coach, but, and a natural coach, but just kind of jumping in and doing it. Um, you know, like I'm coaching guys, uh, for, you know, like MMA fights and, um, we have people coming in and, you know, like everybody's got, you know, like there's coaches back then. Oh my God. Blue belts and dare say it, even purple belts. Like 10 years ago, that was serious serious shit if it wasn't you know like a master like on the coast or you know yeah. like the big big cities like but even not all the big cities you know like had a jujitsu guy go um or you know that jujitsu guy didn't know how to put himself out there or, or you know wasn't as famous as he is now you know all those different things it was just so much more scarce um and so, like, we were going in and doing all right against all these other people, except for like pure jujitsu guys. We got like, like the two t like the two losses to like our our team before we disbanded. Um, we we had a, like our first fight and our last fight, and uh, basically jujitsu guys went in there and worked some jujitsu against us. We were like, what? And, you know what in the hell? Triangle chokes. Us wrestlers jumped right into, and. Uh, so like that's that's like 2011 when i've you know finally went to go solve that situation but 
like we just kind of trained around we did our own thing um we, you know like uh out here man this is like really it's cowboy country and it was the wild wild west kind of in a sense like the indian colony fights would come in there was small town bad blood there was i mean you name it um you know fights would go unregulated i literally watched um like one of my old buddies like elbow a dude so many times in the head and herb dean knew this was an amateur fight <laughs> and herb dean watched my friend elbow a dude to where like he's never been the same like he's not i don't want to say wow. i don't i'm not gonna go out there and say retarded but um no like he definitely like trust me i've been hitting the head enough times um i've i've i can tell uh <laughs> Homeboy was different after that. And so yeah, you had to change you. It was it was the wild, wild west for MMA, man. But we we just played around with it. And uh the biggest thing was um like I ended up getting a pretty bad concussion. Like I know mm -hmm. everybody's not gonna be able to see, uh, but like I got this scar right here across my um like I got um need in the temple. And when I got need in the temple, um it was just uh during an old like just i don't know just during like regular old training um but it, it's um my friend danny ruiz <laughs> but um uh yeah danny uh i don't know if he even knows but yeah basically um he just went into jumped into side control and uh like i got a knee to the temple and uh back you know like farm boys we didn't go to the doctor for shit so um basically i woke up well i went home and i went to sleep on it and then i woke up 18 hours later and uh Sheesh. at the time um uh it was my my ex-wife when she was still my girlfriend she was like uh you know like hey are you know like you okay you know we don't sleep that long and then i started forgetting things and i'd seen my dad kicked in the head by a horse so i was like i was like uh-oh because once she started telling me i was forgetting things i was like crap it happened to me and so uh i went in and then yeah they were like uh because of sleeping like um i had some brain swelling and so I was like basically laid up for two weeks and like when i was in my house even for like a portion of it um just i couldn't like my brain got so scrambled i couldn't think uh it was like my computer like my brain it was like a computer that could handle one process at a time and if i tried to do anything more than one process at a time it would freeze for like 20 30 minutes it's like i would almost go kind of like brain dead and uh it was just so difficult she had to ask me like one task at a time like do you have to eat do you need to go to the bathroom you know like after giving me you know like good enough time to answer and like i when i snapped out of that there were like little itty bitty minor changes with me and things like that and uh then the doc was like well you need a year off minimum from striking striking was my love and uh he's like two if you really want your brain to recover so i was like okay well what i just went through it, it like it it scared me. I was like, man, I, I don't really care to have my brain scrambled like that again. Um, it just, it was something that I, I like, I, I, I didn't want. Um, 
and I was just coaching. Like that was the thing. I was like, I was just coaching everybody, coaching everybody. And then, uh, you know, like everybody, like two years of it, everybody was like, damn Seth, you know, like, why aren't you fighting? Why aren't you fighting? And then I got, I don't know. I got more like a little serious, you know, like more serious with my own training for MMA. And then, um, bam, that super bad concussion, but it, it like, it turned out to be for the better because that's what led me to, uh, jujitsu. And, um, so like, basically I was like, okay, I got to do something during this downtime. I have to learn. And so, uh, uh, Roy Dean had some DVDs out back in the day. Roy Dean had, you know, like the blue belt Bible. And, um, I was just, uh, yeah, basically a, a passerby through his, you know, like through his school and, uh, this, this little tiny woman, I don't even know who the heck she was ranked belt. And, um, she just like at the time, you know, like I, I didn't know anything about Brazilian jiu-jitsu outside of they did submissions on the ground. I didn't even understand that they fought off their back. Like, and so, uh, at the time, you know, I'm a, I'm a big wrestling farm boy. Uh, this was pre all my stomach issues and all that stuff like that. So, um, I'm, uh, 220 pounds of, you know, like athletic, um, I was very capable <laughs> wrestling, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, lots of stand up. I, I was like. Okay, what well, am I getting partnered up with this little girl for? And then they're like, "Okay, we're just gonna, we're just gonna um, do the old warm up by sparring, by rolling." And when they, you know, rolling, I was like, "Sparring? What's you know, like what's going on here?" Um, and so they explained, "Hey, just you know, like it's like wrestling until the tap." And so I was like, "Okay, I could do that," but still, are you, you know, like Roy? Are you, are you feeling okay? Like, I don't know. These this dude that I watched on my, you know, like on the app and then um, watched, you know, like DVDs. And I was like, are you, you know, like you seem so wise. Are you crazy? He's like, it's just different. And uh, basically, okay. Um, slap hands, bump knuckles. Um, she loop choked me and then I refused to tap. And then I was unconscious. Because <laughs> I was way bigger than her, over a hundred pounds easily, and she like it took her less than thirty seconds, and I was like on the inside, I couldn't believe it. I was humiliated, you know, like because I was like, man, I should have hulked out if she was gonna like do something like that. And then, but I was like, she's clearly capable. Okay, give me. I'm not gonna kill this girl, but you know, like okay, she's clearly capable. So slap hands, bump knuckles. And, um, you know, I'm like looking like to not let her grab my collar, uh, because yeah. they threw a, threw a gi jacket on me. And, um, I was like, okay, I'm, I can't let her grab this thing. And when I was busy about that arm drag behind me, rear naked choke, I refuse to tap. I wake up. Roy is telling me, okay, if this happens again, you're not going to be allowed to practice here. You got to tap out. Okay. And uh, so from there, um, mm, like basically, you know, like uh, it was just a great lesson. Uh, 
And, um, he, he, you know, like they, they told me to pay attention. I paid attention after I paid attention, like literally by the end of the lesson and seeing everything happen in real life, it, it changed my life. So by the time I end up going home and, um, like coming back, uh, you know, like I unfortunately never trained with Roy again, but like, it was definitely so like, I don't know if Roy remembers some random dude who just, you know, I follow him on Instagram, but, uh, you know, just some random dude that came in his gym and got choked out twice and like it changed his life <laughs> and I went on my way. Uh, but yeah, it, it changed my life forever. And, um, so I just kind of took that and moved forward and, um, but then my best friend died and, uh, that kind of like derailed me like mentally for a little while and things like that. Sure. Yeah. But so some friends end up pulling me back into it, uh, like a little more seriously, um, around 2013. And, um, people started hearing about, you know, like what I had done before. Cause like the fights kind of died out and things like that. And so some other people, you know, like had heard about, um, some of the training that I gave people. And so they were trying to egg it out of me. And then like, shout out to my, uh, student, um, Curtis Roper, uh, he don't live here anymore, but, um, he, it was when I was, um, basically between jobs and, uh, like all depressed from my friends. So like I got a job at Walmart and, um, stocking shelves at night. And, um, he's like, man, you know, like, I know you from, you know, like from somewhere and I just don't know what, and then, you know, things like that. And he was like, Hey, you know, like the way that everybody talks, it's like, I'm a, you know, I'm a boxer. And so the thing is, is when you talk about fighting, in a room full of men, you can quickly tell who can and can't fight if after enough conversation in it. He's like, you always look like and talk like you know what the hell's going on, but you're keeping a secret. And at the time, like, I don't know, like maybe I was being like melodramatic, like I'm just like, you know, I'm young. And so I was just like, no, I stepped away from martial arts <laughs> for, you know, like this, this six month period in my head. I was like, no, I'm not, I think I'm, you know, like I'm done with it. And, uh, so they kept on trying to egg it out of me. And then, so finally one goofball who, uh, who doesn't know a damn thing. And he's basically right. He knows who I am. And so he's telling everybody he's this martial arts master and things like that. And, uh, other people are going to train with him and coming back and saying like, I don't know what the hell this guy's showing us. And, uh, he would talk some smack about me, but I was just like, whatever, whatever. I'm not paying any attention. And, uh, then finally one day it was like off work, we're all getting ready to walk out. It's funny. Cause my gym's like down the, like, I'm literally looking at Walmart down the hill from you right now. So that's why I keep looking over, but, um, literally, uh, yeah, I'm like, we're getting ready to walk out the door. And, um, this guy, Andrew is like, Hey, we are gonna, you know, like go down and, you know, like train and stuff like that. Talking to, well, talking to those guys, I'm going to show you guys some moves, this or that. And, um, they were like getting ready to go down and, um, they asked me and I was like, nah. And then he comes up to me and like 
this is the first time that he, I guess he got as bold as to put his hands on me and put his hands on me and gave me like, you know, like a tight squeeze around the shoulders and like tried to like jerk me around a little bit. And he's like, don't worry, I'll show him real technique, Seth. And so I was like, oh, well, you know what? Never mind, man. I'll go down there. I like, I kind of just like snapped out of it for a second. And then I literally, it took me one time. I went down to our local powerhouse gym and uh, that's where they were all working out in their open room. And uh, I went down there and showed them, you know, like some some basic jujitsu and stuff like that, uh, like some like scissor sweep, um, a hip bump, and then um, you know, like how to actually like you know like work a closed guard and break people down without a gi um, in order to get the sweep, and then uh, some basic stand up stuff. And by the end of it. Um, I was like, man, I didn't do anything too special. I'm walking out. And then uh, next time I walked back in, the gym owner was waiting for me and was like, basically like, hey, man, um, you want a job? <laughs> I was like, what? That's crazy. But OK. And um, so like I got into it. And then uh, as I got into it and I started teaching more, um, that's when uh, I was like trying to get something going along. But. Elko is also a working town. And so a lot of people will come through. And this is the thing is like, we had a couple people come through that knew jujitsu. And the problem was, is like when anybody, like, I don't know, I want to say like back in the day, I could take it to a, to a blue belt sometimes, but if they were slick, they'd, you know, like they'd know how to like trick me into a submission if they had, you know, like something, especially if they knew how to, you know, like bait, you know, like wrestling tendencies or like, you know, headstrong, headlong tendencies, they'd always catch me. Um, you know, like if I could, you know, like if I could wrestle fuck them to death, like, <laughs> you know, if I could Khabib them into the planet, you know, uh, if, you know, things like that, if I really like a lot of wrestling pressure, a lot of strength based grappling, um, okay. I, I was like really, really um, big into weightlifting while I was wrestling. And so like my wrestling style like really reflected that. Like I love bear hug takedowns, things like that. Um, so like clinching with people or, you know, like, you know, shooting on people, it didn't really bother me. Um, so like, you know, all different ranges, like long range because my karate mid range you know mid and short range fighting like i was comfortable with with my hands because uh you know like because of boxing influences um probably like karate and boxing influences when i was younger probably the biggest and then um when it came to like yeah on the ground it was just you know just wrestling and um being i guess smart enough to hit people when i was on the ground versus just like wrestling the entire time you know like punching them to open them up to you know get into better position but you know uh it wasn't in until i saw you know like the complexity of jujitsu and i started to really understand because like another experience that i had when i was younger is like you know like i went and um grappled with uh jake shields and to just, um, just, you know, like a, a dumb kid, you know, like pass him to his, to his gym in San Francisco. And, uh, like long story short, he smashed the shit out of me, but he was just being nice. He wasn't, you know, like tapping me or like crazy. Like he, you know, he tapped me out a few times quickly before he saw, you know, like now I'm looking back analytically at the time I was just like, Oh my God. So I stood and like, I got up and 
I was just like, man, you are so strong. And uh, he looked at me. <laughs> and at the time, I didn't know that was an insult and things like that. But I mean, he was really delicate with me now that I look back. But at the time, I thought I was getting the worst smashing of a lifetime. So, you know, like I really didn't understand um, jujitsu. And then uh, my original, um, you know, like ex partner, uh, Chris Myers, SBG, came in and uh, he came in to Elko. And, uh, you know, like I give it, you know, I give credit, even though, like, uh, <laughs> business wise, he handed me over and he's not in business, you know, anymore, obviously, because of. Uh, antics but i'll just leave it at that um you know like he came in and uh he came from uh, sbg and um he had been doing jujitsu for like i think like seven coming on eight years at the time and uh so and he was a purple belt and uh man he would just you know all the small town boys that knew all those other things just in strictly grappling though, you know, like, you know, when you don't know anything, it doesn't matter, yeah. you know, how much you can push it, man, you can jump right into some arm bars and some chokes and things like that. And so like, you know, like he just beat the living hell out of all those local boys and, you know, jujitsu and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, like we got started with it and, um, we, um, I don't know, me and Chris quickly kind of like seemed like we were hitting it off and things like that. And, uh, um, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, seem, seem, I just say, seemed to, to, to myself, young, trusting Seth at the time, still in the early, early 20s, um, willing to sign papers without looking at him, young, trusting Seth type of, type of ordeal. But, um, basically, um, man, we, we started getting, you know, like after it with the jujitsu and, um, we were starting to look at building our own program and we took, uh, I think like, I think we took 10 competitors up to like the Northwest submission challenge in Idaho, nice. um, over there in Boise. And, uh, it's a big one that they have every year. And, um, when we went to it, uh, yeah, we took 10 people, came back with 11 medals like every person meddled, um, lots, you know, like lots of success there. And, um, so when we came back, we were like, Oh yeah, we should go for it. So we end up going to open our own gym. And then, um, long story short, uh, after a year of success, um, like basically I, I trained for 11 months. I got my blue belt, things like that. Um, but yeah, about a year of success at the gym, I got squeezed out and then, um, uh, from there, I kind of had to refigure things out. And um, I guess that's really kind of like the next chapter. Um, I wish I could go into my SBG chapter a little more. But, um, yeah, man, just a lot of, uh, I don't know, <laughs> no need to st stir up this small fish bucket <laughs> any more than it already is. But, um, yeah, basically, I was just young and trusting and, like, no hard feelings, like, really towards um, – like anybody SPG or anything like that. I mean, everything turned out better in the end. And, uh, yeah, I'll just, you know, like leave it at that. But during that time I got to travel around a lot and, um, like I'll take a, I'll take a, a break from talking here in a second. Um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like hey, I got a opportunity to talk, it's, but it's your show, Seth. 
<laughs> oh, that's people are going to be like, man, this dude can talk. This dude can talk. But hey, it's better. It's better you than me because there's some shows I take over and they're like, did he have a guest this week? <laughs> but like basically with SBG, I traveled around and um, I learned a lot. And the biggest thing is like I still to this day, I give nothing but respect. And like when everybody asked me, you know, like what was like my most influential, I guess, mentor and things like that. In that time, um, like he may not know it, but Travis Davison of uh, SBG, he's the vice president of SBG. And man, uh, that dude taught me a lot in the short amount of time that like I went to his gym in Montana and learned from him. Um, he just taught me worlds. And like I'm, I'm really, you know, like big on observation. And so I was just trying to pay attention the entire time that you know, like I worked with him and uh he really showed me like, cause I, I grew up with, you know, like I want to say a business background, but the thing was, is, you know, and then even like managing gyms, like powerhouse and like golds and things like that is different than, than getting into the situation of a martial arts gym. And so he really showed me what a martial arts gym is capable of. And that's really when my brain started to tick on those things. And so I'm, you know, like SBG did great and everything like that. Uh, I, you know, like, I, I don't know the story too much. I really try to keep to myself. Um, I don't know how, you know, how things uh, went too closely after I left. Um, but like when I was there, you know, like uh, it was it was great to see Elko's first program, you know, like legit program growing. And then on top of that. Everybody was scared to charge more than $50, you know, like a month for lessons back in the day. And we were the first people to come along and like we started charging $75 and oh yeah, man, like our whole team got us together and everything and said we were crazy. We can't do it. And we were like, no, we have to break this mold because every other gym that came along in the area, um, you know, like before us, like basically would be there for less than five years and close down because they would jump owners like it would um you know diff different financial you know like reasons and things like that so we're like well the biggest thing is like nobody's charged enough like we got to be the people to charge enough we gotta we gotta break this as is you know many people look at us like we're crazy if we know what we're charging you know like <laughs> cheers travis like basically what he told us with the price he was like man you guys gotta be brave enough to do it yeah. so we did it and um you know, that's that's where things kicked off. And uh, that's like basically as a white belt. Um, I, well, like my my uh, ex-partner, Chris, he he was um, he was working a, a job at the time. So I was I was there all the time, you know, like pretty much 24 seven. I was at that gym. I was there for every class. I was teaching people privates, all that stuff. Um the basics and I, you know, like I got to give that to Matt Thornton, like um, his fundamentals, his basics, his love of that stuff really rubbed off on me. And so really like each position kind of having, you know, like fundamentals to it versus everywhere I'd been before was just like technique. Here's some techniques. Here's some techniques. And then it's kind of up to you to kind of learn to put them together. And so like learning transitions, learning how to hold position, learning where to be in positions, things like that none of that ever occurred to me and so it was just okay like basically you know like if it was skateboarding we we're all learning kick flips 
but nobody was teaching us how to, you know, actually ride our skateboards. Yeah. And so like, we, we all knew how to just sit still and do a kickflip. But if, you know, you were like, Hey, actually do this arm bar live. I'd be like, ah, if, if it happens to occur naturally, but I don't know how to, I don't know how to work my way up into the point. And so it kind of changed my direction, you know, like that I was learning everything like that and the complexity, it just took over my life. And that's like really when I started, you know, like wanting to make that transition. And uh, I worked with kids before and I would always teach them like stand up, especially but I didn't realize at the time, you know, why it was so hard to teach kids stand up and like in comparison to grappling. But when you're a kid, your range is constantly changing. Your balance is constantly changing. All your regular par sparring partners, the exact same thing. So it's like if you're going to learn good timing, that's really difficult for a lot of kids versus grappling. All your partners are always different sizes, everything like that. You know, like it's it, it just translates for kids seemingly easier. And so I started to teach kids jujitsu there at my, you know, in my first SPG Oko gym. And man, like that's when I fell in love with coaching. And I was like, yeah, like this is no longer going to be, you know, like something I'm pursuing in the hopes it turns into something more. This is something that I want to do like 100 percent through and through. And then, like I said, like basically a good year of it, I got squeezed out. And so I had to like, I had to refigure things. So um, that, that kind of opened up a different chapter of my life. And, uh, but that's, you know, like, you know, at that point I already knew what I wanted to do and I wasn't pursuing anything else. Um, you know, like martial arts and jujitsu, uh, you know, like in particular with the, you know, like the main things that I wanted to, to pursue full time. So essentially what I'm gathering from all of this is that you're a self-made homegrown martial artist, basically like, you know, you didn't, you know, stumble into something, you know, train with a specific academy for X amount of years and then say, you know what, you kind of grew into it. You just kind of from the ground up, built yourself up and here we are. So that, I mean, yeah, that's impressive. More or less every day, everything be prior to um, when I met Chris uh, was like, I had to travel. I had to travel. I had to travel to go and get, and then, um, yeah, it was like, we would travel like, you know, like everybody, I don't know. It's funny. Uh, Cause you know, people can talk about it poorly, but then at the same time, like look at how many, you know, like way back in the day, Rich Franklin talks about, you know, like he's training in the shed off of, you know, like off of DVDs and things like that. Back in the day, we were just working with what we could and uh, we had to travel and then just wherever we could train to make it happen. Um, like we we honestly back then, we didn't even know what we were chasing. We were just local jokers, man, just trying to get, you know, get tough and, um, you know, pursue this and see where it leads. And um you know, so many people fell out of it, fell out of it, fell out of it. And, um, you know, like, well, you know how it is people, so many people fall out of martial arts throughout the years. And I just, I just stuck to it. And so like the longer I stuck to it, um, the further things I guess would advance for me. And it was, and like, I mean, up until 
you know, like my first gym that like pretty much almost happened organically. Um, it was like everything just almost fell into place into place. Like I had a, I don't know, I worked a regular job. I've had a total of five regular jobs. And then like, um, I had, you know, like the longest job I had was, uh, my first big job out of high school, working out at the gold mines as a, as a welder and then like a mechanic and stuff like that. And I made ridiculous over a hundred thousand dollars a year, um, working half the year, like ridiculous amount of money out there. But, uh, like I said, after jujitsu, I just I left it all behind, man. It's like, I mean, if that's not your passion, you, you know, my grandmother used to always give me a hard time about, I uh, wanted to teach mm -hmm. and she was like, don't do it. You know, you're not going to make a lot of money. And, you know, at the time I'm a, you know, I think I was uh, just graduated and, you know, I, I said to my grandma, I was like, grandma, I would much rather make, you know, pennies, but love my job because of what I'm providing and what I'm doing versus making hundreds of thousands of dollars and having no time for my family and just hating life because of whatever that job is that I'm doing, it, it, you know, is hollow. So, Hey man, jujitsu, you know, in, in combat sports period, you know, speaks to you. You get, you got to listen. So, I mean, like I said, that's impressive, you know, just where you came from with all of this and, and, and your growth into it. So, like I'm blown away. That's why when you say you're talking a whole bunch, I was like, yeah, keep talking because I'm, I'm <laughs> see, I'm fascinated. over here thinking like hey, I'm gonna have to have him like come back on a separate podcast where I like I time myself to break every seven minutes or something like come up for air like at least more than every twenty minutes. Hey man, like I said on here, it's it's whatever whatever you want it to be. Like if if you want to tell me if I ask you one question, you want to tell me a forty minute story, or you know to get that answer. Hey, it it is it is your party. It's your party. Yeah. Um. So you know, with you know making you know that leap into you know gym ownership and just coaching and everything and having this all you know kind of snowball into what it is now. Uh, you said you have, uh, well, what's the name of your gym? Um, loyalty Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So, which I believe I follow a couple of those Instagram pages. Oh yeah. That's, so. I have loyalty BJJ Elko and loyalty BJJ Winnemucca. I definitely know I followed the, uh, the El Elko one. So I remember seeing the name. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, eh, yeah, because you know you'll see tons of gems with just whatever names they have, and it's just like you know what, don't question it. As long as they're as long as they're into it and they're making it happen, you know they could call their gym, you know, folding chair. You know, as long as they're getting the job done, it's a weird name. Call your gym folding chair jujitsu. It's like okay, you know, fucking training there. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out there. You know, like everybody's got their own personal taste and things are like where they want to do like with their gym and like mine, like, I don't know, mine, I had like a little bit of a story, like for like actually naming my gym. Cause like, uh, like how we got our name, like rice. Um, 
like it's actually not original like translation like every like people have seen like the movie like the godfather when you know like people would come in through immigration and uh you know, like they would just get names given to them based off of where they came from, get names given to them based off of like how they could pronounce their names, things like that. And so Horizon Traveler traveling, you know, like based based around that word was um, in German, my last name uh, when, um, yeah, my <laughs> my great, 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 whatever it is, grandparents um, migrated here like to, to farm um yeah they just oh you're farming rice <laughs> versus enough. this rising you know rising stuff so rice from rising so um and so you know like from there uh like i i don't know that story always struck with me because then this is the other thing is whenever i would train all the other martial arts gyms things like that it didn't matter where you know like especially you know like with karate and stuff like that um straight up man the asian kids would burn me all the time like every one of them it didn't matter it didn't matter like if it was taekwondo or if it was um you know like a karate gym or even a, like a wing chung gym maybe like rice <laughs> and then you know like have fun time laughing at it and stuff like that and when i was younger like it was like one of those things where i was like okay can you guys uh, you know everybody's getting their name you know, like, oh, can you write my name? And then they write my name. And then it would just be like plain, like the plain rice symbol. And ha, ha, ha. There you go, white boy. There's, you know, there's there's just your rice, your bastard name. And then so like the, the story of us coming here was a bastard name. In martial arts, it was always viewed as a bastard name. And even hell, like um, part of my, you know, like my gym's history of like how it was formed and things like that. That's like some of the people that like, uh, voice their opinion about it were like hey your your kanji is you know like it breaks the rules of kanji in this and this way and things like that and i was like well that's okay that's exactly what i like it for because you know what i follow the rules and the rules will get you get you a bit you know fucked over sometimes and so sometimes you just gotta forge ahead and make your own rules and play it by your way and I mean, obviously now to like say this, you know, like this day and age, like I uh, like there's Higa Machado and lots of other cool, you know, like big name people running around with loyalty shirts on right now. Um, so like, I don't know, like that kanji couldn't have been too bad because it's made it pretty far. But, uh, you know, like I, I really, when I wanted to start getting into, you know, like I guess gym ownership, I was like, okay, now I got to make this more personal. Because the first time I was like, you know, like, honestly, you know, like, you're scared to embark out on things alone. Um, and so I didn't have the confidence in business-wise to, like, handle things alone. Um, and then, two, like, you know, he was the connection to the jiu-jitsu world. But the thing was, is, like, you know, like, like, still no, you know, like, hard feelings. You know, it's like a dude who's been with the organization, like, you know, like coming up on two years versus a dude, you know, who's been in the organization, you know, like nine years, you know, it's, it's, it's. And then at the same time, like I was young, dumb and hurt afterwards. And so I kind of just disappeared and uh, just, you know, just went into the shadows, started, you know, like working my ass off and saving up money. And uh, so I just saved, saved up money. And then I also got into Bitcoin early 
And so, uh, well, I was just saving and listening to the podcast, you know, like working at office max early mornings and things like that. I was just like, okay, you know, like thinking, how can I get back? How can I get back? And so crypto was part of it. And then, um, just being driven towards a goal. And so off of, uh, like I was working there and, uh, I think two months they promoted me to a manager and then I spent the rest of my time there as a manager and, uh, but still, you know, like retail management, it only has, you, you can only make so much. And so like, I had to be smart with all my money and things like that to get myself into back into position. But, um, so then I opened my gym and then like basically a bunch of people that were like my students and, you know, like, uh, and I hate to, you know, like, I hate to say it like that, but, um, you know, like that large, you know, like more than half that gym was like, you, you were here 90 to 75% of the time, depending on the month in comparison, like this is, you know, it, like this is not the same, like things like that. And then, you know, it would have been one thing, but I got squeezed out dirty. And, uh, so like when that happened, I was like, well, I'm a blue belt. I see other blue belts doing it. And at the time I was talking to a couple other black belts and all it takes is like, all it took well with any of them was a couple rolls and they were like, okay, you know what you're doing. And then, you know, like they'd watch me teach and they'd be like, okay, you can do this. So you know, like everything like that, I was confident enough. So I just opened my own gym. And then um, I had some other, you know, like coaches to follow. And uh, originally, you know, like, they were supposed to be, uh, you know, like helping out long term things like that. But um, small town business antics, um, I end up, you know, like without coaches and just being a, you know, a solid blue belt coach again. Um, you know, with my own gym, without any, without any black belt, things like that. Um, but I just decided, um, like basically when I was surfing for black belts to, you know, like pick as a coach, I got tired of like, honestly, all these big town black belts trying to get their hands into my money. Of course. And, uh, it was, it was always something. Um, so it, whether it was surfing or, or like all the different people I surfed around with, um, like I even, cause like the other thing is like, I knew that I was obviously good because I had been able to open a second gym and keep it going. Um, we had great results in competition. Um, you know, like our students did well, like everything went well, like nothing put, you know, nothing that like, oh, we're struggling, you know, like barely know what we're doing. No, like I had black belts trying to, you know, like trying to like coax me into their, you know, like into their organizations, things like that. But I just, I, I really got sick and tired of, um, man, like that's probably something I could probably spend a whole, like a whole day on. Like, like, and yeah, honestly, like it's, it's something that like, uh, in the he Machado association and like, we're actually like, um, it's a program uh, with, uh, the head Mark Massey. I, I like, I want to get, um, kind of rolling in the future is something he talked about, like a gym rescue program for like, basically for people cool. that get, you know, like fucked because of politics. And uh, there's a lot of gym politics in the upper levels. And, 
you know, students don't realize it. And I wish it wasn't so much like Cobra Kai, but damn, is it like Cobra Kai in the, you know, like the upper levels of things. And uh, so like, I don't know. Um, it's, it's just, yeah, I started thinking about the Cobra Kai. I was just like, man, it's, it's, it's a damn shame that things are, you know, like so much like that sometimes, but um, really like we just, you know, like try to, try to kind of stick to our own and work hard and uh it it just paid off and so just being a hard worker knowing that what we're putting out is quality knowing that we're not you know putting people into a bad direction knowing that my students have gone out and competed and come back closing out divisions you know things like that like we we do well and uh so i felt I didn't, you know, like I caught a lot of flack for it, but um, I felt good about being a blue belt team leader. And so like eventually uh, I think like really what, you know, like kind of made up my mind um, was I'm not going to throw, I guess any, I'm not going to throw anybody because like jujitsu world people, you know, take anything in shade, but, but like basically I worked with, um, like I started to get the you know the Hensel Gracie um, group a little bit, and um, during a uh, John Danaher John Danaher John <laughs> John Danaher uh, seminar, um, I went and talked with him for quite a while. I ended up getting his attention away, and uh, man, I got lots of dirty looks for that because people want his time. But he took like a whole hour out of his time, out of his trip and whatnot, to talk to me, um, Good. just about mentorship. And uh, the importance of it. And I remember he was talking about, um, I'm not going to say any names, but he was like talking about certain grapplers. You knew the best grapplers, you know, on the planet and these things like that. And he's like, you know, like raging alcoholic, this person, you know, like a saint, this other person, you know, this, that, this. And he's like, what you need to do, you know, like with mentorship is you need to go and find somebody that's going to um, mentor your needs Versus just going out and thinking that it needs to be a certain character. Because this is the thing. is like we all have burdens and we all have this. So quit going and like trying to, to find um, perfect so much. And then I was like, okay. Um, but then at the same time though too, he was like, you know, things need to be right and they need to fit. And if things don't feel right, they don't fit. And so like basically with the rest of... Um, the Hinzo Gracie stuff. Like I end up having my knee blow out on me. Um, this is like, also I had to be a blue belt school owner through like, basically uh, I didn't know at the time I had stomach issues um, leaking into my stomach. I want well, I mean, not into my stomach into like my knees. And so I started to like grow these cysts oh. in my knees that took up all the space in my knees. And they like basically made blood flow hard, made it prone to, things happening. So I started like my LCL started popping. Um, I ended up losing like my left ACL altogether. Um, like both my knees are pretty compromised. Uh, but I mean, the thing was, is like, you know, like we still through all that, you know, like we were, we were still going ahead moving forward and, you know, like growing and, and thriving and stuff like that. And so, uh, that's, um, Hegan, uh, I caught Egan's attention. And so, and then, uh, Mark Massey was the head of the association. Um, his, uh, his association, uh, he, you know, like really started to 
um, I guess, uh, noticed me uh, on Facebook. We started to, you know, I guess, socialize more and things like that. And then eventually I came and checked things out. And um, like the biggest thing that initially drew me in was um, Egan really doesn't want to like try to mess with your business or tell tell you, you know, like, you know, like this is the way that you're going to have to operate purchasing our geese. This is the way you're going to have to switch over to our business model or borrow parts of our business model. Or, you know, like he doesn't mess with your business, but then at the same time, he gives you tools for your business. And so like there's lots of tools to grow, nothing to take away. And then the lowest, like, well, you know, honestly, like I've, I've helped with the association to like with these things and the, like some of the absolute lowest costs in the entire industry. Like it's you know, like, if you're listening to this, you need a good, you know, like a good coach, like talk about, you know, like the, uh, Higa Machado association. Um, and then there's lots of, you know, lots of opportunities in it and things like that. And so, but yeah, enough sales pitch for Hegan. Um, but like, but basically, um, yeah, he came in, and um, so I started working with, um, you know, like Mark pretty closely, and uh, um, really liked how the association was run because that was my like my biggest concern was like, okay, how's this association gonna go? Because man, there's a lot of there's a lot of poorly run associations. And so I was like, I just don't want to be in a circus where everybody's hating each other and it's just nothing but tension. And he can have such a big association. I was like, I wonder how things are going to go. But it's honestly really friendly, really great. Um, it's been, you know, like uh, a big step because like for the longest time, I mean, I got all the way up to, you know, like these levels up to like when I joined the association, like and they were like, how long you've been a blue belt running around solo, you know, like manning your own gyms, everything like that. And like close to six years. And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so like I went in and like tested for like uh, my next belt and it was it was easy breezy. Um, and, uh, you know, like and then that everybody that I wanted to, you know, like test for, you know, like next belts and things like that is like you know, like easy breezy. We, we knew which, you know, like we knew what we're doing, things like that. And so, um, from there, you know, like we just continue to, to grow, but that's when I started working with Hegan more. And, um, that's like when I definitely felt like way more at home in the association. Cause I, you know, like I've been other parts of the association where, you know, like it's even as a school owner, it's the big name and you hardly see them. You don't really get to know them. They don't take an, you know, an effort to get to know you and stuff like that. And so, um, when Hegan went to go and get, and like, uh, stories of Hegan and all the times in the Academy and Beverly Hills or just Beverly Hills in general, <laughs> that's that that'd be a whole different podcast. Oh my God. The stories. Hegan is a crazy man. He's, he's a lot of fun. Um, but, um, yeah, like basically, uh, I got pulled into the association and started to know people. But the first time I met Hegan, I think honestly, why he took a liking to me was like <laughs> my first couple minutes of talking with him solo. I was like, look, Hegan, I'm going to be pretty blunt with you. I don't like to be fucked over. I've made everybody that I've worked with rich and I'm tired of making other people rich. I'm not going to, I'm not going to play, you know, like games with other people getting in my money. 
with other people um, taking advantage of the situation with other people. And then he just cut me off. He was like, my brother. <laughs> like every, he's famous for, you know, saying that, but like, he's just like, that was the first one I remember getting. And then he was just like, not with me, my friend. I'll help you, but I'm not here to take from you. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep, you know, I'm going to keep moving, moving forward and get more involved. And uh, basically, um, when I went up to uh, train with Hegan, uh, I got invited up there to train and, you know, like meet some crazy people and start training with, you know, some crazy people up there and stuff like that. But um, I started, you know, like working with him with some of my art stuff and then like for the association and then like for like getting to meet some people up there in Beverly Hills for some art. And so like, you know, like that really opened up like he's just like, no, I'm not here to take away. But then on top of that, we kind of clicked. And so uh, I don't know, like um, it's definitely a crazy transition from when I first started into this of like, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to be this coach. I'm not sure how this is going to happen to, okay, I get pulled into I'm being a coach to now, you know, like business has made this horrible. And then now I'm this blue belt pariah, <laughs> like, you know, all these things. And then it was just like, no, everything, everywhere I've read, everything I've seen in my heart, I know, keep pushing forward, keep grinding, keep all these things. If you know in your heart what you're doing is right and true, you're not, you know, scamming, you're not Detroit dusting people out of their money, but like what you're teaching people, you know, will work against a resisting trained opponent. I think, you know, that's the big difference between modern and like traditional is like you need to be able to, it needs to work against a trained opponent. It's got to work in ninja versus ninja combat. <laughs> it's not ninja versus regular person. It don't work that way. But um, true. So like, the to making the transition to like working with Hegan and and not just becoming like you know like a member of his association, but like getting into you know like work with his inner circle and things like that. I tell you what, small town, you know, jujitsu boy, um, never saw himself here, but. And then on top of that, I'm like becoming like slowly working my way into the 10th planet system as well. Uh, you know, like from, you know, nobody, nobody is like, well, everybody's like, eh, blue belt pariah to like, I'm going to be, you know, like a, a he, well, I'm like a Higa Machado 10th planet school. Like, um, my goal is to have, uh, you know, like I want to have that Machado belt and um, I think it will be cool to kind of do what, you know, like what Rogan did and get the 10th planet black belt as well. Like, because yeah. um, like, I think, I don't know if there is anybody else out there. I'm like somebody out there listening, tell me, but um, I don't think there's anybody out there. Like, I think like Joe's got the Jean Jacques and then the, um, Eddie Bravo. And I mean, it's yeah. the same lineage and stuff like that, but I mean, separate belting. Um, well, you know, people out there got the, uh, I don't know. There's, there's always some kind of belting antics or you know, something sure. like that. Everybody's always got something to say. So I'm just like to hell with it. Like, um, why not shoot for the stars, man? So 
I don't know. That's, that's kind of the direction that I'd like to take it and things like that. But I mean, really it was like my path into jujitsu was like a, a rocky, crazy one. And I mean, the struggles, hell dude, I could go on for days and the types of crazy struggles. We went into opening the gym to maintaining the gym from gym splits to, you know, like, you know, like the, the years where we were looking for black belts when, like I really got to see the underbelly of like how fucked up a lot of black belts are. Um, you know, like it's been a crazy journey into jujitsu and just getting started, you know, like just getting started really, it feels like sometimes cause now, you know, like I'm finally to the point where like, I got a, you know, like I got, you know, good, good people coming up and got, a, you know, got a decent prospect and, you know, <laughs> Everything in the coach life seems like it's finally, you know, like all coming together, all the hard work from my youth, from my 20s is finally starting to pay off. It takes some time, but, you know, we learn those hard lessons growing up, you know, bump our heads against the wall over and over and over and over, but eventually you get there. So, I mean, I mean, you've got a hell of a story and it sounds like we've got so much more to, to dig into. So, I mean, good Lord. Well, um, I'll, I'll maybe I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll look to wrap up here soon. Cause man, you, uh, if I go on another rant, it'll, it'll be the end of us both. Well, trust me, you're definitely, you're definitely going to be on here again. Cause I, I I've got other questions. I, I want to hear these other stories. I, I got to know. And I'm, I'm sure the people listening, it's like reading a book series. It's like, okay, this is book one. When are we going to get book two? So we'll definitely get you back on here with our crazy schedules. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. So um, just one last question before getting out of here. Go ahead. Um, and, and, you know, just trying to test the waters here. Have you seen Spider-Man yet? No, I'm waiting till Thursday. I'm going to see it Thursday. This is back-to-back episodes here that I've got my guests. Look, man, I sacrificed myself last week to see this damn movie for you. For you. I love you all. I did it for you. Hey. Be strong. Be strong. <laughs> Doesn't matter, though. Um, but I will talk a little Spider-Man then if you want to talk Spider-Man. Because I last night, literally last night, I went back and watched the first Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Toby Maguire. Now, this is the thing is uh, when I was just in California the other week, chain with he and um, me and uh, Jeremiah in our hotel room, um, he threw on the amazing Spider-Man. So I, I watched yeah. the amazing Spider-Man and then I watched the original Toby. Now, this is the thing. When I was watching, because this is like when The Amazing Spider-Man came out, I loved it. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out. I loved it so much. It got me back into reading comics again as, a, as an adult. Nice. Um, the thing was, it was a love story. I think they were, weren't were so afraid to dive into with The Amazing Spider-Man and the, because they built it up for the death. And yeah. that to me was like what originally as a kid got me into comics was mm-hmm. that was the first like comic that I got was, oh, there's, you know, like there's uh, the Green Goblin getting ready to throw Spider-Man's love, you know, off the bridge. And I just, you know, that to me was, oh my gosh, that was the first comic that was the the intro. So I fell for it hard, but 
just watching it recently, I was kind of like, oh man, this isn't as good as I remember it. Yeah, it's tough. I still love back. it, but <laughs> it, like when we go back to those, hey, I remember when Spider Man came out, X Men came out, uh, all these movies. I, I grew up a comic book fan. I was, it was a comic book nerd. These movies come out. I'm excited because we're going to get them on the big screen. Yes, it's about time. We're about to get these Marvel characters out here. And, and we're about to see. And the first Spider-Man, it was fine for what it was then. X-Men, we said it was fine, but really it wasn't. But we accepted it. It's, it's like that cousin that you don't really want around, but you yeah, accept them. Those X Men, the the original, I think it was by like X three, X three. Oh my god, oh. X three. Uh, man, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a podcast in itself. But like, mm-hmm. oh, I know I've bashed that movie probably on the first maybe fifteen episodes. <laughs> I, I've gone in on that movie at least twelve out of the first fifteen episodes. Fuck, I hate that movie so much. Oh yeah, trying. I, I was so excited for it. I remember as a kid, and then mm-hmm. well. As a, I think at that point you're an adult, but like uh, I was so disappointed, and tr- I tried to watch it again like a decade later, and I, I, I was like, what the fuck? This is how could this be worse than I remember it? Dude, but I when I want to get angry, I turn that movie on. <laughs> like, when, when, when I want to hate something, the King, in the name of the King, for me is the worst movie I ever saw. So I want to get angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I throw that one on. I I, uh, I I try to sit through that movie for somebody and they try we had no idea and they tried sitting through it for me and so like by the end of it we got out while was we were both saying how we wanted to scrape our own eyeballs out with spoons and then we were like I sat through it for you I sat through it for you we're like fuck we should have just communicated <laughs> it, it, it's the key I mean I I went to well when X-Men Apocalypse came out I was excited because Days of Future Past was good and apocalypse you know they had the post credit we're about to get something good and just the apocalypse story has so much to it so much depth so i'm thinking oh my god we're we're about to get multiple movies we're going to get the the whole angel story the archangel story build up we're going to get a you know just all of this i remember we went as a team uh the nerd rage radio crew we went up there uh what was it like five of us i remember we walked out at theater dead silent my one buddy joe pats my shoulder and goes dante i'm sorry <laughs> and like and I, you know i just shook my head i was like i don't even know what to say we went back did a pocket or no we did a youtube review and i just i was baffled that was just it didn't, I, had, I had a couple of friends who were like oh my god what are you talking about that movie was so good it's like if you don't get the fuck away from me like, <laughs> I, I will stab you on the spot I don't, I don't know how the fuck you could think that movie is good. I just don't know uh, how, like, yeah, it's, it's fucking amazing how bad certain movies come out. But that's the thing is, like, I rewatched, yeah. Like, I started watching the, the second Spider-Man before I started to fall asleep. But yeah. the first one, I was just like, wow, holy shit. This is, like, good. Like, because like, I watched The Amazing Spider-Man, and then I was like, I feel like when they redid the amazing Spider-Man, they were like, you know, Spider-Man three was so bad. Like they're doing it, yeah. filming it in a new style. Like we can just, we can just kind of like, I don't know, like not put any depth into the only thing that really had depth in the amazing Spider-Man. Um, the second one was better, 
but the the amazing spider-man the original one the only thing that really had depth to it was like the the building love story yeah yeah absolutely but the first like original spider-man they had everything like i was fucking amazed i hadn't watched it in a decade plus i went back and watched because with the new one this isn't spoiling anything we know from the trailers the villains are coming back yeah yeah i know so, i know i know that at least some major people you know i saw a few of the yeah. leaks so i know that people are coming back yeah is and that's why i told my wife i had to see the movie opening day because i can't i can't risk any spoilers because i, I and i'm a, i'm the kind of person i don't care about spoilers i want to be spoiled but for this film and what the expectations were, it was like, you know what? I want to go in blind. I don't want to know anything. Just, just spoon feed me all of this. And look, I'm gonna tell you, as a grown man in his forties, I cried four times during that movie. Like, I was like, holy don't, shit! Don't tell me that because, man, I have personal ties with Spider Man, dude. Yeah, same, like, same. Like, uh, you know, great. He was the guy that pulled me into it. Like, man, even all the way up to like, I got some. Got some, you know, got some, you know, like old love life feels along with, yeah. the, you know, like the Spider-Man, you know, like Spider-Man lo- losing his girl, man. I tried, I tried yeah. my ass off, you know, like things like that. Like, oh, I, I relate to Spider-Man. So like even watching the first one, I was like, how, you know, like when the emotional moments came along, it had me thinking, yeah. like literally I was like, hmm, this Christmas movie is coming out during my, cause like. My last uh, Christmas, I was single, but it was the last one was my first one single. So I kept myself occupied. Sure. I was with family, you know, like everything. This one, the first, like I set myself up to be working. <laughs> Big mistake. But um, so like I'm sitting here, you know, like just with a bunch of, you know, like, I guess in my mind time and stuff like that. And uh, that mixed up with like, yeah, Spider-Man. I was like, oh, man. I might fool man grow like I might cry if I if I go there too. I'm gonna have to watch who I take. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's it, so I went by myself and I sat next to so uh it, it was a relatively full theater, not completely to capacity, but it was a decent amount of people in there. And I'm sitting next to actually I think the seat on my left was empty, so that's good. But the seat on my right was a heavier set fella. Um it, it's weird because with comic books, I grew up comic book nerd got picked on about it and the thing is i was bigger than most people but you know it still kind of got that you know people still say things and it's like y- y'all realize i could fuck you up right um but it's like now in these days it's like all those people who picked on me are now the people that are into it so this guy sitting next to me looked like one of those guys that would have picked on me as a kid so sitting there watching a the movie you know there, there's uh the the earlier part it felt a little um clunky but i think that's by design because of you know just the way that you know you got to bring in those those villains and then it smooths out in the second part and then that third act it 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 does it like there's a there's a couple parts that just you know there's terminology used there's just kind of old tropes played back to um and then the overall ending of it all it's like i'm sitting there like and i'm thinking this dude next to me is like man i can't let this dude see me crying because <laughs> we gonna fucking fight i know we will 
So, you know, I, I you know, I kind of blink my eyes a little bit, kind of squeeze real tight. It was like, all right, chill, son, chill. All right. And then I could hear him next to me kind of sniffling. I was like, okay, all right, all right, all right. Uh, I, like lefty Lucy, let it loose. Go. See, I've just learned, I've just learned the free flow technique. I just like, I don't fight it. I don't sniff. I just like, I just let them eyes flow. <laughs> and then when they're flowing, that's like, you do something like, ah, oh, you just like get some popcorn. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll have to try to remember that. And the thing is, I want to see it again, but it's just like time wise, I just can't muster it. Now, I am going to be doing an off the mats nerdcast episode. Um, full spoilers, I believe January 8th. So it'll be coming out that oh, that, that'll be long, that that'll week. be long enough. Well, yeah, I figure it's like, look, it's long enough. If you haven't seen it by this point, and I'll put the warning on there spoilers galore. If you walk into that episode, and this you your listen, own yeah, yeah, you made you did this to yourself. So, <laughs> uh, for anybody interested, you know, stay tuned. January, I want to say it won't be the, the episode on the 10th, um, whatever that Thursday is, Wednesday or something of that following week. Um, but we're, we're going in and just you know, spilling all the details, but. Like I said, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it. Um, it. It's I don't like playing the game of which Spider-Man is the best Spider-Man and you know which Marvel movie is the best Marvel movie. But out of my top five MC MCU films, at least this jumped into the top five. It, it's I believe it's number four right now, but it it just had everything and. It leaves it where you just don't know what's next. And the producers, uh, Kevin Feige has already confirmed that um, Tom Holland, his, ver his, his Tom Holland Spider-Man, he, he will continue on as, um, you know, the MCU. So mm -hmm. it, it's just like weird because where it ends, it's like, Really? Okay, I, I want to see how this goes because it's it's very open ended. Yeah, it, it. I mean, if they said we're done, they could end it right there, or they could say we've got some because they're they're actively working on Spider Man Four right now. They said so. Um, yeah. So be prepared. Okay. It's gonna be a good time. I'm um, just looking forward to like when I see this one. Like I want to see. Cause just when I was watching the original Spider-Man, I was like, how many old things can they tie back into the new? Because like with Jonah Jameson, he's yep. talking to Tobey Maguire. And when they're thinking of like the Doc Ock and that like Doctor Strange. And he's like, nope, yeah. that one's already taken. And like, I'm just seeing all this stuff. I'm like, were they plotting this shit back then? Because he's literally the dude who says it is coming back to play the same role. I'm like, in a same. So, so I'm like... So I love to think that they were playing the super long game. It's just, I, I know back then Sony had full rights to the Spider-Man uh, contracts. Doctor Strange was Paramount and a lot of them were all under Paramount and Universal. See, there's not and enough Marvel... conspiracy theories about movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. There's so many different, different conspiracy theories that it's just like my head spins. I'm just like, okay, I'm out. Which is why I just stopped reading it all, except for, you know, there was a, a, an interesting theory 
talking about what they could do moving forward because the mid credit scene is is really cool and then the post like the the end of the credits uh the doc strange 2 trailer is out so that's what that is so uh-huh. you can stick around for that or, but for all i know they might put something else there now because that trailer's out so they mm-hmm. could actually put something else all the way at the end but you know the mid credit scene pretty cool and it kind of gives you a sign of you know where the story could possibly be going so we'll see this it's going to be it's going to be interesting in the next couple of years um <clears throat> all right so let's go ahead and uh, wrap up here seth again oh, thank you to the half hour hour and a half <laughs> not way no that, that, well, hey thank you for having me jake like uh, this this was a great time great great just conversation period and then wrapping up with some spider-man talk so you know kicking it old school how the old old original off the match used to go um seth where can we find you social media wise and any shout outs that you have for us um you can find me on the bjj and food dude so at bjj and food dude um I mean, you could go follow my gyms if you want to. Uh, you're just gonna be getting, you know, pictures, uh, local class pictures. Uh, no, no pressure there. We are, all us jujitsu people follow enough jujitsu pages. <laughs> I, but, I think I got um, five thousand that I'm following right now. So yeah, it builds up. But that's. Um, I also have my art page. I haven't been um, posting on there, but I've got a lot of projects that have been in the works and things like that that I've been um, catching up on um i mean you guys like yeah i haven't even posted my uh my ufc gotham comic on there that i did for hegan um and uh yeah like i got like all types of cool um cool cool projects um in the works yeah you go see on my page the ufc gotham go go watch robert pattison had to make him look tough (laughs) had to build him up for the uh the, the new movie so we did a ufc UFC Gotham, where Bruce Wayne, he's going to be fighting in the UFC because Egan makes him uh, makes makes him toughen up uh, Bruce to to find the real bat, some shit like that. But um, yeah, you can see cool stuff like that on my you know like my art page, uh, my art projects. Um, I do you know like filmography, like <laughs> film. I just fuck up the word completely, but um. I, I do uh, I like just lots of different projects. Like, you you know, from watching my page, I do all different types of things. So, I mean, if you guys are interested, uh, you know, like just flipping through my Instagram, like uh, I do lots of cool like gym art pieces for people. Like, you know, everybody has like that, you know, like that gym centerpiece where they take their pictures and things like that. Yeah, I do like these awesome gym lineage pieces. Uh, yeah, like check them out, like at my like. Like say my coaches school, um, Stephen Aiken, um, Tenth Planet, uh, Perry. He's got that like hanging above his mats. Uh, got some other places um, hanging them up. But I, I spend too much time talking about that. Yeah, go check me out. I got lots of different art projects. I do lots of cool things. Um, get some cool artwork for your gym done. But um, no, no real shout outs except for uh, you better you better watch this one, people. All the way to the end to listen to me talking right here. Now you can die. I give you permission to die. Um, I'll, I'll get all the uh, links posted up in the show notes as well for anyone that's um, 
if anyone actually reads the show notes, I don't know if anyone ever does, but at least like when I put like links there at the top versus at the bottom, because I'm sure people by the time they get to them, I'm like, okay, enough. Where's the post credits? Um, so I'll go ahead and put uh, the links in the show notes and, um, you know, otherwise everybody else out there always listening. Thank you so very much. We do appreciate all the support the show has gotten. Um, just all the love. It, it, it's it's nice. Like uh, the dude that's just sitting here talking to friends and you guys sit in on these conversations. So I appreciate that. Thank you, everyone. Um, big shout out to our guest here again, Seth Rice. Uh, we appreciate having you on the show. And big shout out to my friends over at Armbar Attic, Eric and Allie. They were on the show last episode. Great, great time with them. So go give them a follow. Go check out the website. Go get some of those new rash guards they're putting up on pre-orders. Um, shout out to Colompton Social Club. That's my other podcast that I do with my buddy Stevie. We review beers. Not very well, but we do. So if you want to learn about what different spices and berries they put in some of these beers, go listen. Steve has the notes. I don't. I just drink. And um, also check out coming up on January 7th, my new podcast, So You Like Horror. That'll be episode one. We're going to kick it off with a, a roundtable discussion about horror films and just our likes and dislikes and just having a good time. Um, otherwise, again, thank you, everyone. Appreciate all the support. And as always, if you guys keep listening, I'm going to keep making these shows. Thank you, everyone. And goodbye. They probably said. Now let me see his song.